Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Boys, we have two very depressing things to talk about and one nice thing. Uh, but before we get into that, we've got some uh, some very exciting things to promo. Uh, not the least of which is uh, Indie Live. Uh, Indie Live is a live show concept. Um, it's a night of entertainment. Um, we have done this two times before. We've done it in the city of Louisville, and we are expanding uh, because we want to dominate the Midwest. Um, our view is if we dominate the middle of the country, then we can just um, kind of spread our influence outward, like the like the prayer of Jabez, boys. Uh, our borders are expanding. And we are expanding north into Indianapolis. We are um, just pray your pray your indie life prayer every thirty days. That's it, or every day for thirty days, and uh, and you too will have great podcast success. And remember, people, that we are we are the main event in Indianapolis that weekend. There is something else going on. There's another allegedly like a Christian event going on, but um, Indie Live is the main event. Uh, it's March thirty first. It is at a ambiguously named hipster church called what's the name of it? Soma. Is that the, is, am I getting that right, Ron? Uh, Soma. Soma Church, that's which right. Which could be the yeah. name of a flavored water or a mattress or a bar. Uh, in this case, it is the name of a church. Ron, is that Greek for anything? Is Soma Greek for like the gathering or, or uh, any, is there any like deeper hipster meaning to that name? Um, yeah, but I, I have no idea what it is. Okay. Well, there, is, there we go. Is it, uh, is it something that is worthy of like getting tattooed on my left shoulder blade? Say? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if that's your thing, okay. then you would want to do that. But I, I don't have my Greek lexicon with me, so I, I don't know what it means. Piper, could we get that? Your tattoo lexicon? Could we get the tattoos on stage as well? We're going to be shaving on stage, as we discussed in last, week, last week's episode. Um, shaving, tattooing, um, things of, of all kinds happening on the stage. Piper, why don't you walk them through the Eventbrite page and just talk about some, uh, some, some business items related to the event. Yes. Yes. So the easiest way to find out details, if you go to happyrentpodcast.com, we have a big section that says events, and there's a big orange button on that that says order your indie Live tickets. That's the place to go. Then we have a whole Eventbrite page set up. So if you just go to happyrentpodcast.com, go to the events section, it's right there. Uh, so it's March 31st. It'll be start at 7 p.m. And that's uh, Indianapolis is Eastern time. But I always get confused because Indiana doesn't do daylight savings or part of the state doesn't. But anyway, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Um, but the offer is for the first 25, there, there, there's a coupon code that can be used 25 times. So the first 25 people to use it, it is the code early rant. Mm. That's one word. Early rant. So if you use that, you will save $5 off your ticket. They're $15 normally, so a $10 ticket price instead. First 25 people to use that. So if you use it and it says, too bad, so sad, that just means we already have 25 people who love us. Um, And you can be the 26th uh, and pay $15. So early rant, save $5 on your ticket. Um, I would jump on that pretty quick because tickets do tend to sell pretty fast. I think we had about... 160 or 170 people at the last event in Louisville. I would love to have that many people or more come out for this one, so jump on it. Um, HappyRantPodcast.com. Go to the events part, hit the big orange button, use the code EARLYRANT, save your $5, jump on it quick because it, that's uh, it's only good for the first 25 people to do it. So And bring us stuff. Go get them. Bring us swag uh, as we've become accustomed yes. to in the past, man. It's just a really nice... 
moment to to show up to your own live event and in addition to have yeah what having all those people in the room let's yeah. Uh, yeah. let's recap some of the swag that we've gotten at previous events just to, to kind of prime the pump get get the gears turning for people right. so event number one uh ted got nothing yes, that's right that's an um, easy one for me to remember. but event number two <laughs> event number two yes event number two though uh, the attendees more than made up for that by bringing Ted. I feel like you got khaki pants. Dude, I got khaki um, pants. I got a pie that was delicious that I ate half of on stage. Yeah, it was like a peanut butter pie. It was really good. I, I got a I got a bite or Dude, two somebody baked me a loaf of bread, um, which was unbelievable. So you know, tip of the cap to that mm-hmm. person. I got all kinds of like football related swag, which is my love language. Like if you if you want to, yeah. Did somebody? Was there like a high school football jersey involved? Dude, it was some guy's like, like college football uniform, jersey pants, the whole deal. Um, I got a vintage Priest yeah. Holmes Chiefs jersey, which was great. Um, yeah, that was um, yeah. So all kinds of all kinds of football swag. Which uh, if you if you want to make Big T happy, um, that's definitely the the wheelhouse. But yeah, I feel like it. I think Ronnie got Ronnie got a box of tea at one of them. Yeah, correct? Berry. Yeah, I got like a major, like one of those major over-the-top like gift box, mm, you know, mm. examples of like Youthberry tea. Yeah, so it wasn't like a box of tea bags. It was like a, a wooden box that, you know, beautiful fold-up lid with like an array of things to 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 make your place smell wonderful. And yeah, it was legit. I got it right. I'm still using it. It's awesome. Nice, baby. Nice. And then I, I got an Edgar Martinez bobblehead at one of them uh, recently. New Hall of Famer. The Hall of Fame. That's right. So That's right. can. can Congratulations to Edgar and to me for getting the bobblehead. Mm. Um, I feel like there may have been a couple books involved. Yep. Um, there, I think. Yeah, I think there may have been baked goods and or chocolate at one point. Um, just this is just to help listeners know the kinds of things that we appreciate. That's right. Except for the khaki pants, we don't appreciate. Dude, I'm gonna this. put a I'm gonna put um, a request out there on behalf of the whole program. Right. I hope you boys are okay with it. I want Kent to Colby stuff. Uh, Kent Colby, <laughs> famous sidearm pitcher from uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates in the 70s and 80s. Uh, he is a f- famous in your heart, if famous not in, in the hearts of this program for sure. We're all huge Kent Colby fans uh, on the Happy Rant. Uh, also, the Penguin Ron Say, famous uh, Los Angeles Dodger and and later Chicago Cubs. So, uh, if you've got any Kent Colby stuff or the Penguin Ron Say stuff, we would uh, we would be very excited and happy to get that. So. Uh, boys, it's just going to be fun to be in the same room together again. I feel like those live shows, they always have great energy. Uh, people ask great questions, so it'll be the same format, two um, kind of standard episodes, and then we'll do a Q&A up to, uh, to close the night at the end. Um, I can tell you that my parents will be in the room, so that's, that's going wow. to be a lot of fun. We're gonna wow. have, so we gotta, yeah, we're going to have the original I, Big T in how- the room. Do we have to? How how much do we have to behave ourselves with parents in the room? Not like at all. Like if my dad was in the room, I couldn't even do the show. Yeah, so no. I don't know. What, I don't know what your parents. I think are it's like. going to be okay. I think we're. I think we're. We can feel free to do all our usual stuff. So, um, yeah. Okay. So they they know the drill, man. They my dad's a listener. He's a he's a diehard listener to the show. So baby, if we mention the rapture, will that get him all like pumped? Dude, no, man. Yeah, I think I think they've come around to like the reformed view of the rapture. So um, no kidding. Yeah, I don't think there's any gonna really be any controversy there but uh which is to say that there isn't one, yeah exactly, exactly that's the reformed view of which the is rapture. to be smug and dismissive of the whole thing so that's right we poo-poo all other viewpoints yeah. that's how smug dismissiveness that's our that's our wheelhouse as reformed men as we've uh discussed ad nauseum on this program but boys i have one more thing to promote um i made a big high level business deal here in the jackson tennessee area um i hope you guys didn't mind me dealing on behalf of the company 
but I, I got together with one Heck Ligaris, and when Hector and I get together, there's boys, there's synergy. Um, that's the only word for it. That's a business term. Um, and what it means is two really business-minded moguls working together. Uh, and what Hector and I came up with was a special promo code for the Union University com- community. So if you go to LagarisRoasters.com, if you're a Union student, faculty member, staff member, um, you can enter Union15 at checkout uh, to get 15% off your next bag of Happy Rant Signature Blend. Now, here's the thing, boys. Um, we don't necessarily know at Lagara slash Happy Rant Corporate if you go to Union. So it's kind of the honor system. You can, um, you can think of yourself as an honorary Union student uh, for the next week or so as you, uh, as you purchase your Lagaris Roasters coffee. So make sure uh, you run and don't walk to LagarisRoasters.com and get yourself a bag of the best I, coffee. Yeah, I think Ron and I would like to think of ourselves as honorary Union faculty sure. because we, we were more or less guest lecturers uh, for your podcast. Yeah. You guys basically so have tenure at this point. In the like you're, you're in the tenure yeah, and promotion process at Union. So um, you're ready to take a sabbatical. Ron could take another sabbatical as a professor. Um, so he could get a he could get another one in if he plays this right. Yeah, I've, I'm already coming around to that as a professor. Good My baby, good. You need a sabbat, man. You got to get out. Got to recharge those batteries. Oh man, absolutely. No, it's good, man. Absolutely. It's very good. But boys, we've got uh, we've got some kind of tough stuff to talk about today on the program. Um, we're going to skew a little bit more glum and depressing than we normally do uh, here on the Happy Rant. So we'll uh, we'll get a little serious, and then um, our last topic is a book that. Uh, that Piper and I love and Ron doesn't. So we'll, uh, we'll get into that discussion at the end. But, boys, I want to talk about a big um, news item, a big current event uh, that just happened. The New York State Senate, of course, passed uh, a bill permitting abortions right up to birth, which, um, you know, there's really, no, there's really no way to talk about this other than, you know, for, for us, I think for guys of the, of the pro-life persuasion, just to say that it's sad and heartbreaking and it feels like a – like a blow culturally, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's a lot more insight and wisdom that I could, that I could speak into the topic other than to say that I'm just really sad about it. I mean, the Bible, um, the Bible thankfully like gives us a lot of examples of lament and, and what lament looks like for individuals and for, um, groups of people. So, uh, I don't know, Ron, as and, and complete and completely seriously, yeah. it also gives us examples of like, praying for judgment yeah most definitely because most definitely the the thing that the the thing that hit me about that most like it's not surprising sadly for a, a, a state legislature to pass that kind of mm-hmm. bill mm-hmm. i mean that doesn't surprise me at all what does surprise me is the way it was celebrated as if this was yeah like a like a liberation yeah. day for yeah. people I mean, it was like a it, it was like applause and cheering in there in the Senate House or whatever it's called there. Yeah, that like, that was the thing that made me just I was like, oh, lightning strike right now would Dude, be same. I would be just yeah. To me, it was yeah, just that, a, in fact, it might be too kind. yeah. Just a come Lord Jesus moment. Like this is this is just yeah. ugly depravity happening, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know what more to say about it. Ron, you're a man of the cloth, and I. I I imagine there are people in your congregation who, you know, may ask you about it or have asked you about it. Like, how do you, how do you speak to something like this as a, you know, as a, the leader of a flock? 
Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question, Big T. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I have not had any convos with anybody about it. Um, you know, generally our people are going to be, you know, pretty conservative about, about sure. these types of things. Um, I think, you know, I, I think that I think from our standpoint, though, and even, yeah, thinking about it congregationally and thinking about it in terms of, you know, our, you know, our belief system mm -hmm. and. There, there's also something even to the side of that. There, there's like a logic that goes into this that that always just baffles me. And and I know that I know that sin deceives and sin blinds people. Mm -hmm. And um, but this but this idea that you know um, man we we can talk around this thing. And even when you talk to people that are that are for the Reproductive Health Act and mm -hmm. and you know we have all these arguments and we have all these you know we have all these. You know, these we, we bring in, you know, biblical reasoning and, and you know, conviction and, and all of those types of things. But I always feel like, man, even like scientifically and even from like a just the standpoint of like just um, in terms of, you know, uh, he, you know, human rights and, and those types of things. Um, this thing always just hits me as lacking so much, um, so much logic on one side and so much reasoning when you actually um, look at what's what's really going on and, and why. I mean, it's 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 a barbaric opinion on one hand, mm -hmm. and then at the same time, man, you're you're trying to understand. At least I am. I'm trying to think of what would motivate somebody um, to to be to, to not just ignorantly like hold to that particularly to, to that particular view, but to have like researched it in a way that they have a lot of like good knowledge and good information about what it actually is, mm -hmm. and still feel like like this is. Um, the healthiest this is you know the most productive way for society to move in terms of you know where we're at you know religiously or culturally and all in all these different ways and so there, there's just this lack of reason and logic that goes into it that i i'm just like just 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 baffles me you know you yeah. could i mean you could like you could kind of compare it with all of these other things too that like you know if you use that same sense of logic in, in all these other areas you know you wouldn't end up in that particular place so it shocks me that that abortion in general has led people to this particular position that to me, um, even if you just stand back, just goes, well, that just doesn't make any sense on mm -hmm. a bunch of different levels. And, and, you know, and I can keep Christianity out of it too, if I want. Right? Yeah, if, if you yeah. use the same logic for people on like, uh, if, if a, if a dog is going to have an unwanted litter of puppies, so let's abort them. The same people who who rabidly defend abortion and who are cheering for this this legal decision would would want to strangle you. Yeah, they would probably threaten to strangle you. They they would say they would lay out all of these arguments about you know those are innocent puppies. They have a right to be adopted. There are good homes out there for them. At which point you just kind of have to step back and go. And the same is true for human babies. Yeah, yeah definitely. A ex except somehow this like demonic understanding of the like there, there's just a demonic break between the logic and like the the right to life. Yeah. It's just insane, and they 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 would defend the right of kittens and puppies mm. in a way that they wouldn't defend the right of a human baby. Yeah, no, I know it's, it's baffling. It's totally baffling, and you know, I, for me as the parent of two adopted boys you know i when i really reflect on stuff like this i just i just literally thank god that you know their birth mothers didn't abort them you know um and that they were they were given that kind of shot and that god and his providence led them to us i mean it's it's just a staggering thing and um 
yeah, this feels like um, a huge step backward. Now, I'll, I'll ask you guys because you're more um, kind of conversant in this world than I am. Like, what are what are reformed leaders saying about this? Like, has this been an occasion for, you know, th- those kind of responses? Is, has there been anything, like, insightful out of our camp about it? I mean, it's it's been consistent across the board just... I mean, you used the term lament earlier, a heavy tone of that. Um, not nearly the think piecey responses that, that we, our crowd is often prone yeah. to. It's been much more just, this is so blatantly evil. Yeah. Yeah. And just sort of the weight of it has really landed on people because of the both the decision itself. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, if you look into the legalities of it, they, they've made it so that they've, they've opened up abortion to not just medically trained doctors Mm. it sort of opened the door for like unlicensed medical practices and late term and finishing an incomplete abortion is what i understand to be in Mm. there which basically means killing a baby who you didn't kill the first time Mm. i mean there's there's just the layers of of disgustingness in that run so deep and and the responses have been almost entirely at least the ones that i've seen in in that vein along with a few that seek to sort of dig into and clarify what does this bill actually legalize, which was one of the most interesting things to me because one of the responses I've seen was sort of the uprise of like, see, this is why we need to overthrow Roe versus Wade. Mm. Um, Except even if that's overthrown, my understanding from what I've read is that it just reverts the right of these decisions to the states. Mm -hmm. So New York's decision still stands. It's just not a federally uh, supported decision anymore. Yeah. So the states just have a right to be, you know, patently evil in their own sure. way. Sure. Yeah. Boys, let's uh, let's stay in this political space a little bit. Another, you know, hugely divisive moment um, was this March for Life deal, um, which really broke, um, as so many things break, via, like, video, you know, video that gets leaked of a thing happening. And, um, there was a group of students from a Catholic school in Kentucky, um, a native American protest group, another couple of protest groups, um, there at the, at the mall in Washington, DC. And, um, it escalated and, and people are, you know, kind of being vilified on, on both sides of this thing. And, and I'll tell you, I, you know, I tend to veer away from news like that just as a kind of knee-jerk reaction. I think, I think self-preservation, not wanting to get too glum. But um, I watched a video on it because I knew we were going to be talking about it today. And the, the video happened to feature um, the Native American guy and also the kid um, sort of speaking about it after the fact. So the kid in the Make America Great hat again um, and then the, the guy who was beating the, the drum. And they both seemed incredibly kind of quiet and thoughtful and reasonable and articulate um, when they weren't in this like supercharged um, protest moment. And just as a student of communication, I thought, gosh, what a, you know, what a good thing that we're able to get this kind of thoughtful response after the fact, but what a, what a kind of teachable moment in journalism about how a story is framed. Because if you're to freeze that video at any variety of a number of moments, like you, you get a different reaction. Um, so the images that we're seeing from this elicit different reactions based on like, you know, how they're framed and, and, you know, what image you grab from it. So, um, 
I'm curious. I tend to be personally just kind of disdainful of any kind of march. Um, you know, I I know people who went to the March for Life thing, and I have students who go, and I'm like, God bless you, be safe. You know, not my thing. Uh, not a thing that I would ever really go to one way or the other, I don't think. But, um, yeah, I, I'm just curious as to what you guys think about you know, marches, protests in general, and, and this one in specific. Piper, what what are your thoughts on this matter? Um, well, first, uh, one of the, one really important thing is that the the Native American guys who were there, so it's a small group, were there for the Indigenous Peoples March, which happened to be on the same day. Mm-hmm. So they they weren't part of the March for Life. They were just an adjacent group um, celebrating a you different know, the culture and yeah. history of, indi- of I mean, I'm, I'm sure also protesting certain injustices there, but. But I mean, it was there for a, a different sure. march. Um, I'm I'm not a fan of marches myself. They feel a little bit like boycotts to me. Like I just feel like there's probably a better way to go about expressing things. Yeah. Um, that said, I think I think they can be very effective if they're fresh and new. Um, so, like for example, the women's march that happened uh, it started a couple years ago. When that happened the first time, that was sort of a cultural phenomenon, and it and it left an impression of. I mean, it sort of it 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 both happened at about the same time, and then helped support the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. and like that that's a momentum driver. Yeah. But the thing is, if they keep doing that every year, it just won't be a momentum driver. It'll just be a thing that happens. I think the March for Life is a little bit like that, especially with the politicization. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a word of the right to life and and the, the the confusion over what that even means because I a huge number of people who were there are only there to support the rights of the unborn and they care very little about the rights of any other any other person yeah. really um, any other at risk group that's a problem because if you are pro life like you should be pro the whole duration of life <laughs> I think yeah. um, so it's there's confusion about what the message is. There's the the politics aspect. I mean that that is a largely Republican march, yep. just by nature of the parties, and that's that feels gross to me. Mm. Uh, not that it's Republicans, but that something that matters ethically and morally has been co opted into politics. Sure. Um, that that's the gross part. Um, so yeah, I don't. I wouldn't be inclined to participate, um, but. But I do think that there is value in not letting the issue of the lives of the unborn just kind of fall off the radar screen. Yeah, for sure. Big R, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I can really improve on what Pipe said at all. I I think that the last point that he made about just giving a voice to the lives of the unborn, but to, to life in general, you know, everything that encompasses, you know, life. You know, as we know it, as we believe it, as we see it, like let's uh, let's widen this thing out a little bit. Um, and I think we've seen some unique ways that 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 uh, awareness to that has you know ha- has risen you know in the past couple of years. So I think those are good things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like pipe, you know. I I don't see myself going to marches. Um, I I certainly to me it's not something that I'm critical of. I know people that do that do them that participate in them. I'm all good with that. Um, I think people have their own convictions about those things. It's not necessarily uh, my thing. 
Um, but I also see um, I also see a, a value in raising that kind of awareness. I mean, in terms of what we originally were were talking about, I mean, the, the about the, about the guy with the hat and the Native mm-hmm. American. I mean, the story is going all over the place on what uh, you know what the intentions behind you know this kid smirking, standing mm-hmm. you know four inches in front of this Native American who was who was. Uh, you know who was playing his drum. I mean, like what you know what what that meant, what the what the uh, the motivation behind that was, and so uh, you know this kid saying something different than what it looked like. What I find to be super interesting, and I would love to hear you guys riff on this for a second, mm-hmm. is at the end of the day, like this kid, you know, at, at least in part of what was filmed, like the kid didn't say anything, and it's mm-hmm. interesting that just this smirk. Like this very irritating smirk that this kid had on his face, like it spoke volumes, man. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a there's a phrase that goes something eating grin. Yeah, uh, that that is the exact description of the look on. But do you face. guys yeah. find I find that fascinating? That again, I, as far as I know, there wasn't any violence. Um, yeah, there wasn't. I don't think there was any. I mean, as far as I know, I haven't seen every video, but I, I don't think he said anything derogatory. Uh, to, to to the Native American whose name I forget, but yeah. at the same time, so we're really going off of a, a particular look and what looked like was some kind of, you know, whatever the intention was or the motivation was beca- behind that look, and so that to me is like fascinating and interesting um, that we are again that we are we're taking and and again I, I would be on the side of of saying man there was something not. There was something very suspicious about all of that. So this sure. is not me dismissing him. It's saying like I think it's interesting that that's what we're that that's that's kind of what we're going off of in terms of conscience right now. And yeah. I think that's interesting. When it's it's absolutely even more loaded because of the hat that he was wearing 100%. and the gear that his you know there was there was several dozen students from that school, uh, many of whom were wearing. MAGA hats and other gear mm-hmm. and and what that has become associated with in terms of in terms of confront the, the confrontational attitude the aggression towards minorities Absolutely. um etc like that that is a filter through which you see that picture very i mean yeah. and and i think rightfully so at least i think it's okay for that to be the first impression and go what is going on here right. um yeah it's not a hat that you wear if you're interested in like conciliatory language and bridge building and, and conversation. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, if, if there had been, if this had somehow turned into a story of like, this was, this was a, a unifying moment between one group of people and another group of people, um, you wouldn't have expected those hats to be involved. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's a great point. Um, boys, can I, and, and so no, go ahead, pipe. Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I think, I think to what to what Ronnie was saying, my understanding is that there was a lot of things being said, not by the young man who was who was sort of like the the photograph, mm-hmm. but things being shouted by his schoolmates, mm-hmm. um, and then also there was another group of protesters there from an you know an aggressive confrontational sect. I forget the name, but it's something like the Black Hebrew Israelites or something, and it's it's a it's a it's a very outspoken sect who are very just sort of they, they are they're divisive they're aggressive and uh, and they they were very confrontational towards those students and sort of escalated things so when you get like 50 high school boys and a group of protesters v- verbally haranguing them things are things are gonna get ugly 
and then and then the Native American group came over, I think mostly to try to bring peace to the situation from what I understood to be the case. And and that's when things got out of hand. But yeah, it's it is strange because not strange, it just it is a it is a strange story because it is it is interpretive yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. by the viewer. There are gonna be those who immediately jump to that boy is innocent, he didn't do anything. Yeah. Then there's gonna be those who go, That boy is a you know, he's a bigot and you know, he's terrible. Sure. And and it's you know because it, it's all up to the interpretation of, of a picture and a, you know multiple video angles and so forth. Yeah, let me let me ask you this as as parents, you know, pipe your your daughters are a little bit younger. Um, you know, Ron, you have a you have an adult daughter that you've raised, and I've got a sixteen year old boy living in my house. That was the age I think of the of the kid in the video, and I mean, as much as I respect sort of the the journey that my 16-year-old is on. And I I think he's a great dude and he's thoughtful and he's really starting to think through things. But I can tell you without qualification that I I would not be ready to send him to Washington, D.C. to sort of be the symbol or the face person for anything, especially not with a pack of other high school boys who are like him. And, you know, to me, I watch that and I go – Man, I'm th- I'm thankful that my kid was nowhere near that because, you know, he he's not ready. You know, he's just not ready to um, be in a situation where he's, you know, getting shouted down by some other people group or whatever. And I, I don't know. I think it's maybe an example of throwing somebody into a moment that they're not prepared for way too early. I mean, honestly, I don't know. If oh, I'm exactly. Ready. Yeah. I, mean, I don't. Yeah. Mean, I don't. I don't mean that because of any latent bigotry. Yeah. I, I I hope there's not any there, but just because if you put me in the middle of three groups of people, one of whom is very contentious, one of whom is a group of adolescent boys who are dressed like people who are contentious, right. and one of whom is playing music and and doing something that's just it's kind of unexpected. Yep. I I don't know how I would navigate the that. I, I like to think that I would sort of try to settle everybody down, but really, who's going to listen to one voice when there are 150 people beginning to get rowdy? That's right. You know, I, I, I and add to that the complexity a, of cameras everywhere, potentially capturing every look on your face on a continuum from you know soft and open-hearted to angry or smirky or whatever. Um, yeah, it's just to me a recipe for disaster, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere near it with or without my kid. That I mean, I I think if we if you take a step back though, there is all of this is granular. If you look at this from a bigger picture, you have a group of a few dozen white affluent boys who landed themselves in a situation <laughs> that was confrontational towards minorities. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which you know that that's a problem. Yeah, which by the way none it's of a, us as parents would be proud of if that was our right. son right now. I would be exactly. a, you know I, I, Yeah. I I would be so disappointed. Oh my gosh. In my kids if that's if that's how they like if they if they turned and walked away quietly and didn't confront their friends, I would say you could confront your friends. But like at, at the very least, don't be part of that. Yeah. yeah. At the at, at your best, try to de-escalate. Try to 
or try to side with side with somebody who doesn't have anybody siding with them. Yeah. But that that whole situation was it's just even, I think even the conversation we've had is indicative of where some of these things go off the rails and you look at it and you're like the biggest problem here is that a few dozen white kids found themselves or put themselves in a confrontational situation with non-confrontational Native Americans and created a threatening situation to a degree. Mm. That's at dumb at best. Yeah. That's the best description you can give it. Uh, and it, it probably runs deeper than that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, boys, let's, uh, let's wrap the show with something not at all depressing, not at all like culturally divisive or current eventy. Although there's a little division between the three of us on the program, but, uh, it's the kind of division that, uh, that, that can be interesting and that is uh leaf enger's new book virgil wander uh which i think we all got for christmas or, or shortly before um we are fans we're all, all three i think huge fans of peace like a river uh which was his first novel and uh his second novel was um help me with the title pipe i'm not recalling it so uh so brave so young, brave, and, young handsome. and handsome which i enjoyed just sort of luxuriating in the in the worlds that anger creates uh but i I was much less sort of uh, captivated by that story um but then i love virgil wander um i got this book for christmas i've been devouring it It, to me it gets back to a little bit of the pathos that um that peace like a river brought to the table um i find myself just really relating to the main character um just sort of this this middle-aged guy with some ideals and trying to trying to figure things out um, Pipe, you finished the book. Uh, I assume you've loved the book, although we haven't like explicitly talked about it. What uh, what did you love about it? I, you know, you you said you love luxuriating in the worlds that that Inger creates, and I I think that that is, I think that's the most captivating thing about his writing. Mm-hmm. He he writes characters brilliantly, yeah. but he writes he writes context like it's a character. Yeah. Yep. So this so this book, Virgil Wander, takes place in a, a fictitious North Shore town in Minnesota. So like north of Duluth, between Duluth and like Grand Marais, yep. somewhere on on the the Lake Superior shore. Which I, I'm utterly biased, but it's one of my favorite areas in the world. Um, and but but the town is a character. Yep. The the geography, the culture, all of that is is part of the is part of the charm of the book. So you, so you have these wonderful characters who are written deeply and really realistically. Yeah. You know, he he writes people in such a way that there's not sort of the the white-hatted good guy and the black-hatted bad guy, yep. which those are those can be fun books, but they're they're subtle, they're profound, they're thoughtful, they're deep, they're confused. They're they're just all of the things that humans are in all of their sort of gender and age-appropriate ways. And then you get the town, and he always writes the um, the supernatural into his books yeah. in a in a unique way too, and in and in a mysterious way, which I like. So it's it's not preachy. It's not like oh, let's tie this off nicely in a bow, but he just sort of leaves an air of sort of supernatural mystery as well. Yeah. Which you weave all that together, and it's it's just sort of a a sublimely profound way to write a book, I think, and I. He's the he's one of the only authors who I like living authors that I read and I just sit back every few pages and I just shake my head and go, 
how does anybody do this? Yeah, totally. I, I have that moment with it too, where I'm just like, I couldn't do this. <clears throat> and rather than feeling threatened by it, I'm just like, I'm, I'm really glad he's doing it to me. It's the, yeah, it's the stuff that would make like Jonathan Franzen and Garrison Keeler Great. I mean, they're great writers. They're really talented writers. But, you know, this is sort of a way less pagan version of the stuff that they do, you know, in terms of just writing really real, often clever stories about people. I I, I used to really love Garrison Keillor's novels. You know, he writes about the same part of the world and, um, you know, a lot of the same issues, just people trying to figure stuff out and trying to figure out who they are and where they fit. And, um, you know, it's nice to read somebody who's that freakishly talented but um but yeah who has a a bit of a you know a perspective that would that would overlap a little bit more with ours in terms of you know how we how we feel about things um big r you started the book you're you're a huge anger fan too you you loved his first two books um but this one didn't grab you you said you got like a third of the way through it and bailed um so talk about that baby yeah, no, I mean, so, yeah, I love him. I love Peace Like a River. I love So Brave, So Handsome, whatever it was called, less, mm-hmm. like I think most of us did. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it was, I still enjoyed it. I still really yeah. liked it. Um, man, I just get funny with books sometimes. I, I t- here's what's interesting. I agree with absolutely everything you guys have said about it. I, like, I yeah. wouldn't, you, you said it better than I could say it, and I wouldn't say it different if I could say it how you said it. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, I got about a third of the way in, and it may have just been things that were going on in my life at the time, you know, a couple months ago. And I just, it just started, um, I, I started reading the same paragraph over and over and over again. And I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I couldn't, yeah, you know how that goes. And like that to yep. me is always the sign that I either don't like this book or it's the wrong time for reading this book. So I, I, I got it right here. I'm looking at it. I mean, I, I would like to finish it because, um, Man, again, you are you're you're reading the words of just like a, just a master in mm. terms of a of a storyteller and somebody who does it in such an original and creative way. Um, if I had one, if I had one criticism about it that struck me, and I and I make this criticism about about artists and, and musicians many times, is that it, to me there was a to me there were parts of it that felt like anger trying to be too anger, and oh, it was like some. Sometimes you would have a sentence where I'd go, all right, dude, you, like that sounds you trying to be so you, um, yeah. you know, to where it's like it was a little too over the top for me, you know. Yeah. And again, that, that's kind of, you know, the way like the way he describes things. Um, I, I really like the way Piper said, like he doesn't he keeps things very like relatable and he does. And I felt like I felt like the way he he described some aspects of the main character on occasion, and I'm just being really nitpicky right now. I yeah. kind of it made me kind of go, okay, come on, come on, anger, we get it. You, like you know how to turn a phrase when you're talking about you know the inner feelings of the main character and you know his his perception on certain things. And so that that was the only thing. But it's like, but that's who he is. I I, I don't think he was, you know, I would I wouldn't even try to project that that's what he was doing. But yeah. you know, I don't know. That that's being I, nitpicky. I, I think that's a I think that's a really fair critique and it's it's something that you can only recognize if you have deeply invested in everything else he's written. So like if this was the first Life Anger book somebody read, that would mean nothing to them. Yeah. Because because all of that would be their first encounter with those turns of phrase and those similes and those 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 kinds of descriptions. Whereas when you've read and reread his previous books, it 
it becomes a little noticeable. I think it's probably true for every author. For sure. Yeah. Because for authors sure. don't the authors don't reinvent their style. Yeah. yeah. At least most don't. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's they, an unfair because they, you you lose something if you try. Yeah, to do you that. do. That's he is being who he is, and the reason the the reason why he you know he gains the kind of following and fans and love that he does is because of who he is, and and so I it's not it's not even really a criticism. It just for some reason being on on his third book, you know, every once in a while I would come across something that it just maybe it's because I'm I'm getting I'm too used to his his writing style, so it's it, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't it wasn't exciting me like it originally did. But you know what? I think I'm going to return to this. I've done this before. I've done this many times, actually. I, I'm going to return to this book at a time when it's good, and I think I'm going to eat it up, and I'm going to just be enthralled for sure. And I don't have any doubt about that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I suspect that if you, if you could read it at a time when you were, you know, relaxed as opposed to, you know, wrestling through a billion other things in life or whatever was going on, uh, it it is, yeah, it's not a, it's, it's, it helps to just sort of sit with it, especially because of those, like the reactions that Ted and I talked about, where you just every, every few pages or every couple chapters, you just sort of get blown away by something. And it's, totally. it's a rare book that makes me like, it kind of hits the brakes on me where I'm like, Whoa, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to reread that because I have not read anybody else who writes like that. Totally. But that, but that, that's sort of a luxurious reading pace. That's not a normal like cruise through a book pace. Yeah, that's right. What do you got, Pipe? What is his? I read a, I think I've read a couple of things about. I mean, does he have? Does he have some kind of an evangelical background or like where? Where is he at with all that stuff? Uh, I think he does. He, I don't, I don't know his bio well, but he, um, I, I think he's a professing believer. Yeah, and. He, I mean, he lives a really quiet life in northern Minnesota. He's he's off the radar screen. He writes a book like every six or eight years, um, you know. So he's not he's not one of these, which is part of the reason they're all fantastic because he's not he's not cranking them out on like a book a year, um, contract mill pace. But yeah, I think he's. I mean, at the very least, he is a kind of a a deeply spiritual, you know, person who's grown up in the church. Mm. Um, like in, in Peace Like a River, his first novel that that is such an obvious theme throughout. I mean, and like an outspoken theme. Mm-hmm. I, I had somebody ask me the other day. They were like, "Hey, you know, we're going through books, sort of a book club thing. What would you recommend?" This group loves fiction, and I want to introduce something to them that's like not Christian fiction because most of that's not great, but like Christiany fiction. Yeah. And Peace Like a River was the first thing and the only thing that came to mind. Because I'm like, it is absolutely a Christian book, but not in any of the ways you don't want a book to be a Christian book. Absolutely. Dude, just like subject matter wise, this book is like catnip to me. There's a like a middle aged guy trying to run a movie theater in a small town. There's like a little minor league baseball angle. Um, yeah, there's the North, the Great Lakes. Uh, it's like five things that I love all packed in. It's romantic world. for you, Big T. Dude, it's romantic. It yeah, it's romantic, man. You like to. You like to sort of think of yourself in in some of those scenarios, and and um, you know, yeah, it's it's just a it's a real like subject matter fit for me too. Um, mm. In certain novels, if I can't like if I can't sort of get anywhere with the subject matter, I can't envision myself in any of those scenarios. It it becomes hard to you know to really enter into it. But uh, but yeah, this is one That's a good that, point. that I've enjoyed, man, and uh, and I'm glad you know I'm glad he's out there and he's doing stuff and. You know, it's interesting. There's, there's, there's probably, 
not much space in the marketplace for anyone else doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, there can only be one of him. And it's kind of shocking that in the mainstream literary world, they've even let a confessing Christian in as, as deeply as they've let him in. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, because secular MFA programs, certainly English faculties um, tend to be really, um, really standoffish when it comes to, to Christians. So it's kind of, kind of a shocker that he's gotten, you know, gotten the kind of traction that he has. Well, you never know, man. Maybe TGC will give him a plenary. No, oh, dude, a plenary? Are you kidding? That'd be amazing. Uh, maybe maybe Ben Sassy and, and uh, Leif Anger will get get a plenary. You know, maybe that's a that's a plan that uh, I may even buy a ticket for that one. I've never been to one of these reformed comps, but you know you may say. you may get me off the sofa for that one, baby. I may go here uh, yeah. here Leif Anger and, and Ben Sassy on the same plenary stage. That'd be amazing. But guys, I thought help me here, man, because I can't remember. I thought somebody from our tribe interviewed him. Like when this book came out, am I am I making that up? Um, was, well, so I co-host another podcast called The Table of Malcontents. It's all about books and reading. I do it with a couple guys from work, and uh, those guys interviewed him while I was stuck traveling for work. Oh, uh. so I don't. Yeah, I I will I will forever hold a grudge against Aaron Armstrong and Dave Schrader because they were able to interview Leif Anger, who has long been one of my top favorite authors while I wasn't able to be there. Um, I, there may have been, I think, uh, Russ Ramsey did an interview. That's who I'm thinking of. I Um, think man. Yeah. So Russ is, yeah, Russ is going to be in terms of sort of the authorial world, a little bit more, a little bit more known. So he, he did one. I think, I think that was a written interview. Um, or no, maybe anger came to an event that they held. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it was right around the time the book came out in maybe November. So Dude, what did those guys Russ say? Russ Ramsey him? did one. Did they say he was cool? Oh yeah, he they 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 have nothing but good things to say. They love they love his books. Yeah. But then he as a as a as a guest was um, was I guess just delightful. And then he he knew that I he knew that the other host me couldn't be there. So. They printed out a they they found one of my old school pictures from when I was in like third grade and they printed it out in full color and he signed it so he signed a picture of me for nice. me, um, which is so that's the sort of sense of humor that he has if that gives anybody a hint into the sort of like offbeat hilarity of who lay things. You know what's crazy? I man the reviews I read when it came out they were I think they were his least great reviews. I thought that really was interesting of this one yeah. Virgil Wander did. The reviews I read, I, I didn't obviously read every review. The reviews I read were not like awesome. They were mm. they were sort of three out of five star wow. reviews. Yeah, dude, that's so. Reviews. See, he's his own he's his own worst enemy on that front, though, because when your first novel is transcendent well, yeah. and your second novel is exquisite, you know your third novel is just gonna disappoint some people. Sure, even if, in my opinion, it is. I think it's better than his second one and not way, way off his first. Yeah, I agree, yeah, that, man. I agree. That's a good take on it. I think it's a good take. It even, a good take. Even as far as what I've read on it so far. Yeah. But. Boys, can I, can I land us on, uh, on Indie Live again and just say Please. to our listeners that um, if they bring third grade pictures of themselves, we will sign them. Um, <laughs> I think that's a, ni- that's a nice motif. I kind of like that. Um, that is nice. So, I like that too. Yeah. In addition to shaving, getting tattoos, getting Kent to Colby stuff. Hopefully, I don't want to get my hopes too high on the on the Kent to Colby front. But um, 
you know, we'll we'll sign those pictures. So bring us your third grade pictures, and um, and we will be happy to sign them. But boys, we have uh, we have done what we always do on this program, in that we've wandered to and fro throughout some pretty serious topics. Not a lot of not a lot of ha-has on the program today, but uh, appreciate your thoughtfulness on those things. And uh, until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform.